Lent is a season of, of repentance and self-denial, a season of penance where we're making some sacrifices in some way and offering those to God for, for God's glory and our salvation and the salvation of others. But it begins with repentance. And so we heard that at, at Ash Wednesday. We've heard it again today. And we'll continue to hear that theme of repentance of our sins throughout the season of Lent. One who has not sinned is Jesus, and yet he's tempted, and today we see that. He's tempted in the, in the wilderness. So I want to talk about temptation, the thing that leads us into sin. <clears throat> All right. So first and foremost, the devil comes when we're weak. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and nights in the wilderness. And what that means is he's had not only no food for 40 days, but he's had no water either. So we can't do that, we would die of dehydration. But he's God, so he can. But he is in a human body, so he's experiencing incredible hunger and dehydration. He's incredibly weak. And this is when Satan comes, when he's weak. And then Satan tempts him with something that would alleviate his weakness, to alleviate his pain. Dehydration leads to terrible headaches. I'll give you what you want, Jesus. Just do my bidding. I'll give you instant pleasure. I'll take away all your distractions. This is how the devil works. He does it with us all the time. We're tempted in so many different ways. In so many different ways. Things that we put in our mouth. Things that we watch with our eyes. Things that we say with our tongue. Things that we do with our body. We're constantly being tempted to evil. Because that evil in that moment gives us some pleasure. And if we don't give in to the pleasure, then what happens? Then we find ourselves being very distracted. We've got this temptation and we're trying to do this other thing. But we can't do this other thing because we're being distracted by this temptation. And so how do we get to the thing that we want to be doing? Give in to the temptation and then it'll all be gone. I'll have momentary pleasure and I'll be able to get back to my thing. What's the problem? The thing is that we gave into was evil. It was evil and it's a sin and it's on us now. And then hopefully there's some remorse and some regret and some shame. If there isn't, there's something wrong with us. So this is the thing. When those temptations come, we can't give in. We have to resist them. And I'll talk about steps to do that. But first of all, I want to say that temptation comes for everyone. Jesus could have, being that he's God, could have just simply said to Satan when he first saw him, get away from me. That would have been the end of it. But he wanted us to know that he's experienced temptation too. Not that he fell, he's never sinned, but that he's experienced everything we have, all the forms of suffering that we have. So too, in some way, have the angels, or at least they've been tested. So I think it's helpful to understand this because then it helps us to understand the breadth and the universalism of temptation. When the nine choirs of angels were created in heaven, they were all put to the test. Now they don't have bodies, so they weren't able to suffer like us with temptation. But they had to make a choice. And there would have been a great deal of discernment and distress in making that choice. When Lucifer begins his rebellion against God, God apparently didn't do something about it right away. 
He let it go on. He let it spread. He was going to test all of his billions of angels as to whether they'd stay loyal to him even when he wasn't acting and doing anything. Sound familiar? So, this is what happens with the angels. Lucifer begins his rebellion. He begins his rebellion. And God at first doesn't do anything to test the angels. Will they stay loyal to him or will their loyalty switch over to Lucifer? And he wants to see. So for the billions of angels throughout the nine choirs, they have to discern, is God going to be defeated? Because right now Lucifer is gaining ground and God seems to be giving ground. Is Lucifer going to win? Is he going to overthrow his creator? Or is God just going to allow Lucifer to continue on and and have kind of like two lords in heaven, God and Lucifer, and you choose which lord you're going to follow? The angels had to go through this. They had to decide, well, what if Lucifer won and you did not ally with him? Now, what will happen to you for eternity? Lucifer will make you suffer for not having allied with him. So you've got a lot to lose if you choose the wrong side. And the angels have to wrestle with this. They have to go through all of this in their, in their, in their supremacy, in their supernaturalness. They have to go through this whole thing. And then, of course, there's angels who try to take the middle road. I won't take a side. To them, our Lord would say, I spit you from my mouth. I was reading this book or listening to this book. I probably listened to it five times on the angels. It was only about an hour, hour and a half long, not a long book. And it was St. Thomas Aquinas and two other doctors of the church, and they were all going into the angels and this. And they had theorized that, that most of the angels would have come from three choirs of angels, the three choirs that deal with the ruling of the universe and the ordering of planets and solar systems and whatnot, because they had some power over something. And that power led them in their pride to want to keep it. And to keep it, they hedged their bets that Satan was going to win, that Lucifer would in somehow maintain his power. They did not want to lose what they had. And so they theorized that the majority of the demons had come from these three choirs. I was reading Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, and she said, no, it was the four choirs above the angels. There are nine choirs. Archangels, the four choirs above the archangels. So archangels are eight of the nine. So it requires seven, six, five, and four. And she said the vast majority of the fallen angels came from these four choirs. These were the four choirs that God had given to them, the universe, to to help God run and rule, as well as the coming nations of the earth. And Catherine said the choir of angels that fell the least were the lowly angels at the bottom, the most numerous. That the ninth choir, the angels, the simple angels, outnumbered the other eight combined. But the human race had not yet been created. They had not yet become guardian angels. They didn't yet have any role or something to do. And so for these guys, being the paupers of heaven, being the peasants of heaven, they allied with God. Michael the Archangel from the eighth choir, the eighth, not the first, the second, from the eighth choir, he led the war against Lucifer and the rebellious angels. 
not by something within him that God had created, but by his merit of faith, that one just above the peasants would lead the counteroffensive against Lucifer. My point in bringing all this up was there was a great war in heaven between those who fell to the temptation of Satan and those who did not. And Catherine would go on to say, those who warred against God, who made it clear that they were allied to Lucifer and warred against him, were cast into hell. Another group that fought but somewhat reluctantly for Satan, they were thrown to earth. And the last group that remained neutral were to remain in the universe, in the sky, if you will, until the second coming when they will be thrown into hell. So neutral is not a good place to be, to stand either squarely for God or not. The Israelites in slavery in Egypt, they had to go through this great temptation too. Moses says, God is with me. He wants to set all of us free. He's going to give ten plagues to to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Watch this and believe in me. And then follow me. Follow me out of this slavery. Follow me where? As far as they were concerned, into the ocean. He said, no, 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 don't worry. We'll go to the ocean, into the wilderness. Pharaoh and his army will come, but God will do a miracle. You've got to have faith. And they're so tempted, so tempted to run back to their homes and to be slaves for the rest of their lives. But God opens up the ocean. They pass through. He closes the ocean on Pharaoh and his army and drowns them. And think about that. The temptation to flee or not believe when the walls of the ocean are up in the sky above you and you have your children with you. You're totally dependent. Your instinct is to get out of this space. But don't. In the moment of temptation, it seems like we're going to drown. It seems like we're going to die. If I don't give in, I'm going to die. This is crushing me. It's tearing me apart. For those of you with addictions, you know what I'm talking about whether it's a chemical addiction like alcohol or drugs, or it's a sexual addiction like pornography or some other thing, or it's a sugar addiction, or it's an addiction to keep using your tongue to criticize or to speak ill of other people, or it's an addiction to be lazy and to procrastinate, how it seems like you're going to die if you don't give in to this addiction. There go I, but but for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. Without God's grace, nothing good is possible. Without God's grace, you and I aren't here today. So this is really, really important for us to recognize that by God's grace, not by our merits or our strong, our strength and all that, it's by the grace that God gave Michael the archangel that he was able to fight back. It's by God's grace that we're able to resist temptation. How many priests live in in Clark County? Eight. I counted this morning. Eight. How many homeless people? Probably a few hundred. Probably a few hundred. Homeless outnumber priests, probably 50 to 1. What were the odds that I would become a priest instead of a homeless man? Extraordinary odds. Of the 70-something thousand people who live in our parish boundaries, there's only one who's a priest. What were the odds? That wasn't my merit. That was God's grace. I'd have better odds of being a homeless man. And I should have been. I've got addictions. I easy become an alcoholic, a drug addict, or whatever. 
lose all of my confidence and ability, or that I could have been afflicted with mental illness. So easy. But here I am by God's grace. And here you are by God's grace. Of the 70-something thousand who live in East Vancouver, in our parish boundaries, how many are going to go to Mass today? Maybe 1,200? What of the other 70,000? Why aren't you amongst them? By God's grace. My point in this is that God's grace is already working in our lives in a profound way. A profound way. And His grace wants to set us free from the sins in our life that are enslaving us. They truly do. God truly does. And we can. So some practical steps in overcoming temptation. I would say this. Be aware that temptation comes when we're weak. When we're our weakest. That's when Satan came for Jesus. Forty days of no water or food. Jesus can't even walk. He's down on the ground. He is so weak. He comes when we're weak, so we've got to be aware of that. Well, what makes us weak? For most people, what makes us weak is a screen. A TV screen, a computer monitor screen, or a smartphone screen. Because the number one addiction in the world, by far, is internet pornography. No, it's absolutely, like, a thousand times more than any other addiction. Believe me, I hear 2,000 confessions a year. Number one, far and away, internet pornography. Screens. A screen is like a loaded gun. It's a very dangerous thing. Be very careful with your screen time. Parents and godparents, grandparents, be very careful with the screens that your children have access to. But the other things, too, just like watching TV or movies or listening to popular music that's just filled with sex and lust and fornication and whatever it is. Certain people who keep gossiping, criticizing, or just lead by bad example. Sugar, too much sugar that not only weakens our physical immune system, somehow it weakens our spiritual, our moral immune system too. Whatever contributes to weakening us, when we're weak, the temptations come. So identify those things that weaken our moral immune system. And do our best to either stay away from it or to be very careful in our living with it and regulating it. The other is this. When the, when the temptation comes, don't fight it. Don't take up your shield and sword and fight it. You go, what are you talking about? No, change the channel. Satan wants us to engage him. Here's an evil thought. Come on, baby. I got you on the line. I want to read you in. You fight my line. No, no, no. I'm just going to take my mouth out of the hook and swim away. I'm not going to take that hook and fight it. No, he just reels us in. Don't engage the temptation. Change the channel. Watching TV and you got the remote control and you see something evil, change the channel. Don't sit there on on that station watching that thing fighting it. Change the channel. When the temptation comes, do your best to just get it out of your head and move on to something else. Something else. Don't sit there and go, I'm not giving into that. I'm not. No, just move on. That takes some practice, but believe me, that's the way to go. And lastly, this go to confession. Go to confession. Confession is an incredible gift that God's given us. 
the ability to remove sins, that's a bigger gift than the ability to remove cancer. Cancer might kill you, but it won't send you to hell. But mortal sin will send you to hell, and we're all going to die anyway. Confession is an incredible gift. So use it. A word about that. One of the precepts of the church is that we have to go to confession at least once a year if we're aware of mortal sin, and almost all of us are guilty of that. Not everyone, but almost all. So go to confession at least once a year. But the church has always recommended monthly confession. To go to confession monthly for the rest of your life will change your life. It will be the greatest gift you ever gave yourself and through you for your family and others. Go to confession monthly. If you go to confession monthly, you'll not only get rid of your sins every month, but you'll receive an infusion through a sacrament of God's grace to be strengthened against the temptations that are sure to come. To be filled with God's grace when Satan comes, and he will. He'll come and he'll come again until our last breath. We've been strengthened by that sacrament. So please, do those things. Avoid the things that lead us to sin, that weaken our moral immune system. When the temptations come, just change the channel. Move on. Don't fight it. Just move on. Change the channel. And lastly, go to confession monthly. Go to confession monthly. It will change your life.